<laughs> you were super duper today, getting your COVID vaccine, Elmo. That was a little pinch, but it was okay. Elmo was really glad to have Daddy and Baby David there with him. Baby David, where are you? I had a lot of questions about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. Was it safe? Was it the right decision? I talked to our pediatrician so I could make the right choice. <laughs> I learned that Elmo getting vaccinated is the best way to keep himself, our friends, neighbors, and everyone else healthy and enjoying the things they love. Oh, Daddy, oh, Elmo and baby David have a question. Oh. Can we have a hug? Oh, come <laughs> here, son. <laughs> All right. First of all, is that necessary? Like, I was talking to my brother earlier about this, and he's like, even if Elmo was saying, hey, I have a headache, and they were promoting Advil, I wouldn't be for it for my kids to see that. Don't you agree? I mean, this is a for-profit med medicine, a for-profit medicine. Where companies like Pfizer and Moderna are making to the tune of an extra $50, billion a year. And then you have this product placement in a, on Sesame Street, which is where, where Elmo gets the COVID vaccine. The COVID vaccine. First of all, are we going to give COVID vaccines to everything when do Muppets have to get COVID vaccines? Are we going to give it to chairs? Are we going to give it to tables? Are we going to give it to this microphone? I mean, listen, to each their own. I'm all for that. 100,000%. Do your own due diligence. But when you have a for-profit entity who's making a product, and then you place that in a cartoon, a kid's show, any types of kid's programming, okay? For a product that someone is making massive profits on, how can that not be biased? Their incentive, the makers of the vaccine's incentive, is to maximize profits. That's their job and their fiduciary responsibility to the board and to their shareholders, is to return the most amount of profits to investors. Now, you may not like that, but that's the role of business. That's their job. Now, because that's true, we need to put everything into context of why they would want to plug COVID. I can't even believe in Elmo. It's like, I had questions about the COVID vaccine. They're clearly talking to the parents. And you sure as hell have a lot of questions. Why? Because no one trusts the CDC. Why does no one trust the CDC? You know what? Let's just get right to it. An unbelievable article uh, and I'm going to pull up here if you're watching this. If not, I'm just going to read through a lot of it, which is from uh, uh, Newsweek, okay? And it's from Marty McCarry, professor from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, which actually we're going to see a video of another piece that he was a part of in the Washington Journal. So the title is, Why America Doesn't Trust the CDC? And I'm going to add in there, even though Elmo does. People don't trust the CDC. Here's one example illustrating why. Two weeks ago, with no outcomes data on COVID-19 booster shots for 5 to 11-year-olds, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, vigorously 
recommended the booster for all 24 million American children in that age group. The CDC cited a small Pfizer study of 140 children that showed boosters elevated their antibody levels, an outcome known to be transitory. Can we talk about this for a second and break this apart? First of all, let's start with the end. When you hear the word transitory, do you not think of inflation? Because I swear, maybe I'm, you know, I get confused with real life and dreams and, you know, what's real and what's not. But I swear we used to hear that this inflation was transitory. And then all of a sudden we heard recently, it's not transitory. We made a mistake. They're going to use the same word when it comes to this the COVID vaccine, a word that was disparaged and proven to be incorrect time and time again that nobody trusts because everybody's suffering from inflation. But hey, that's Putin's fault. You are just bearing the consequences. And this is an apolitical podcast. This is just what's going on in the world. This is objective facts. So the most rigorous study too, the most rigorous study they've ever conducted, they said, with these COVID vaccines for kids. I want to repeat this last sentence. The CDC cited a small Pfizer study of 140 children that showed boosters elevated their antibody levels, an outcome known to be transitory. First of all, boosters elevating your antibody levels, we can get into that later, but that doesn't really say much. You can get 5,000 boosters and you'll probably elevate your antibody levels. However, I'm not a physician, so I'm not going to go there. But I will say that if you recommend that all children, and I believe in the U.S. there's 24 million of them, based on a sample size of N being 140 children, to then extrapolate that and say everybody should get it, and then putting it into Elmo, putting it into Elmo, that Elmo got vaccinated. What kind of propaganda is that? Is that not like the, the – I'm like blown away. This is like maximum propaganda. It's ridiculous. I don't care what your beliefs. I don't care where you stand with this stuff. Why are you bringing medical stuff into children programming? I mean, I could just see Elmo one day being like, Dad, I can't concentrate in school. And he goes, well, son, we can give you Adderall. And if you're depressed, we'll give you Prozac. And just wait, if you're having trouble going to sleep at night, we're going to give you Xanax. Thank you, Daddy. Can I have a hug? Come on. It's a for-profit product. It's for-profit. It's an advertisement. It's a product placement. I personally don't want healthcare to be involved and commingled with children's programming. I think that's ridiculous. Let's go through more of this article because it's amazing of why people don't trust the CDC, even though Elmo does and Muppets do. And I mean, who knows who funds PBS and all that stuff. We won't get into that. That could be conspiracy. Continuing. When that study concluded, which by the way was 140. Yeah, you heard it. 140 children. Oh, really? Did it work out well? Well, you know, we'll see how many made to the end, but everybody, one size definitely fits all. What shoe size are you? Everybody's a nine. Yeah. When the study concluded, a Pfizer spokesperson said it did not determine the efficacy of the booster in the 5 to 11-year-olds. But that didn't matter to the CDC. 
Seemingly hoping for a different answer, the agency put the matter before its own kangaroo court of curated experts, also known as the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP. He goes on to say, I listened to the meeting and I couldn't believe what I heard. At times, the committee members sounded like a group of marketing executives. Oh, really? A marketing executives? Are you saying Pfizer is trying to make money? It's not philanthropic? Come on, hoax. They're philanthropic. They care about your health and my health. They don't care about the bottom line. What about their shareholders? Well, we want as much profits as possible. Okay. Dr. Beth Bell of the University of Washington said, quote, what we really need to do is to be as consistent and clear and simple as possible, pointing out that the committee needed a constant, or sorry, not constant, consistent recommendation, which is simple. Okay, well, what's that? Other committee members similarly emphasized the importance of a universal booster message that applies to all age groups. Dr. David Kimberlin, editor of the American Academy of Pediatrics Red Book, speaking on his own behalf, said, quote, Americans are yearning for and crying out for a simple way of looking at this, a simpler way of looking, a simpler way for looking at this pandemic. He suggested that not recommending boosters for young children would create confusion. It would be confusing. And it could also bleed over to 12 and 17 year olds and even the adult population. If we don't say it's a one size fits all universal approach, it's gonna be confusing. Imagine, just imagine, imagine this, ready? Ready, close your eyes. Take a breath. It's a little overwhelming. Close your eyes and be like, okay, adults should get the vaccine. Okay, great. All right. Five-year-olds should get the vaccine and seven, and six-month-olds should not. <gasps> that is so confusing. You're telling me that babies shouldn't get it and adults should? What am I supposed to do at, a, do at a red light? Do I go straight? Do I stop? Do I go backwards? If I want to make a right, what do I do? Do I make a left? And then a right? It's so I'm like uh, overwhelmed with these. How can people decide if something is good for one group and bad for another? It'd be impossible. No wonder you need the a universal booster message. Of course, of course, it makes perfect sense. To a kangaroo. The committee also debated how hard to push the booster recommendation, discussing whether the CDC should say that five to 11 year olds may get a booster versus should get it. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but I found this really interesting, that sentence. Discussing whether it should say may or should. The, when Biden turned over his card the other day and, and the media snapped you know, pictures of it and took video and it said like, you take your seat, like he's gonna take someone else's seat or something, or like you ask a question and then point your finger up. Like just, it was like that descriptive. The thing he was talking about during that video, and I'm sure you could pull it up and see it. He was talking like, you know, an 80 year old man kind of out of it, not saying that's old, but it's up there. Definitely for running a country if you say you need your seat. Anyway, he said something to the tune of, you know, I get confused if you should use may or you should use should, shall. May or shall. Well, this is talking about whether the CDC should say they may get the boosters or should get it. 
I think he was talking about this by accident. I think he was, you know, I think he's not really with it. I don't really think that's in discussion, which by the way, I really don't think, and this is unbiased, apolitical opinions. I think that if Biden took the test today that Trump was forced to take, like the intellect test to make sure you're with it, that I think Trump aced, I swear, I don't think Biden would pass it. I don't think he would pass it. I think he would fail the test. And I kind of want him to take it. But he was saying during that conference, may and shall, how he gets him confused, may and shall, shall and may, it has to do with this booster. I swear. Hey, maybe I'm connecting the dots too well. Who knows? Anyways, going on. Exhibiting classic medical paternalism, committee member Dr. Oliver Brooks of the Watts Healthcare Corporation said, quote, I think may is confusing and may show doubt. Adding, if we say should, more people will get boosted versus may, then we may have more data that helps us really define what's going on. Hold on. Actually, I'll finish. Dr. Brooks was essentially suggesting that boosting in this age group would be a clinical trial conducted without informed consent. Okay. Let's break this part down. He said, his quote at the end says, then we may have more data that helps us really define where we're going. But if everything's safe and effective for the long run, and we know it's good, and according to Elmo, the best way for people to continue doing what they love the best way. Hey, dad, what's the best way for me to do what I love? Get the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, what about eating right and working out? No, it's the COVID. Well, dad, what'd you do when you were younger? Well, we couldn't do anything. We didn't, we lived a very horrible and stressful life. You now have the cure. That's really, isn't that sort of misinformation? Was that, would that be misinformation or disinformation? Saying the best way to do what you love is getting a COVID-19. There's no way, in my opinion, that that is the, quote, best way to do that. There's no way that's the most optimal approach. But all right. I know I'm harping on some, some things here. But this whole thing is just absolutely crazy. But he says we may have more data that helps us really define where we're going. You're guaranteeing something safe and effective and right. And I'm not saying it's not. That's not the point. The point is, is that he's saying they, essentially, they don't have enough data to know where things are going to go or how things are going to turn out. Obviously, they don't know because the truth is we don't have studies that could be longer than at most two years because or three years because COVID's only been around that long. That's the maximum. You can't say this is definitely 100% safe and effective 10, 10 years down the road. There's just no data. But if you wouldn't get a larger population of people to do something, you're going to have more data to look at. Well, guess what? Isn't that a trial, essentially? We don't know. We need to test it. And so we're going to test it on you through our propaganda, by the way, on Elmo, which is fine if you want to do that but they're admitting that they don't know where they're going. But yet everything is science, fact, done, closed, uh, uh, no questions, facts. That doesn't sound like science to me. Doesn't sound like science to you. Listen, this is all allegedly, all right? 
So what did the committee do? They promptly approved the booster for young children by an 11 to 1 vote. And you asked. There was one vote that said no? There was. Why? Because that particular physician missed some of the discussion. So he didn't, so he couldn't make a vote. I bet you it would have been 12-0. Allegedly. The one dissenting and actually the one dissenting vote came from Dr. Kiep Talbot of Val Vanderbilt University, who courageously said vaccines, while extremely effective, are not without their potential side effects. She questioned the sustainability of vaccinating the population every six months. Many experts agree with her, but they don't have a platform to speak. In fact, nearly 40% of rural parents say their pediatricians do not recommend the primary vaccine series for children. These pediatricians were not represented on the committee. The CDC has a history of appointing like-minded loyalists to its committees. Last year, it dismissed a member of its vaccine safety group, Harvard Professor of Medicine Dr. Martin Koldorf, for dissenting from its decision to pause the J&J &J vaccine. A year ago, Joe Biden appointed party devotees to his COVID-19 task force. Reaching a consensus is easier that way. Of course it is. Of course it is. Come on. This isn't controversial. Elmo said it's good. When your kid says, I saw a COVID vaccine, and then they saw Adderall, they're going to see Xanax. They're, who knows? You know, on Elmo, you should be like, I'm depressed. Okay. Have you tried fentanyl, son? Is that what's going to get to? Because that's the slope that we're on. You take one step in one direction, and then you're going to want a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. Throughout human history, that's how it works. It's just dangerous waters. So this also brings up the point of, okay, they say it's the best way to do things you love, for kids to do what they love, these 24 million kids. First of all, we question if that's the best thing. Valid question. Just a question. And why do we get into why we say that? And, and why I think that could be true is because for some reason, nobody wants to talk about natural immunity. Why does no one want to talk about natural immunity? Why? Let's, uh, what do you know about natural immunity? Anything? Most remarkably, it didn't seem to matter to the CDC that 75.2% of children under age 11 already have natural immunity, according to, the C to a CDC study that concluded in February. Natural immunity is certainly much more prevalent today, given the ubiquity of the Omicron variant since February. CDC data from New York and California demonstrated that natural immunity was 2.8 times more effective in preventing hospitalization and 3.3 to 4.7 times more effective in preventing COVID infection compared to vaccination during the Delta wave. These findings are consistent with dozens of other clinical studies. Yet, natural immunity has consistently and inexplicably been dismissed by the medical establishment. But don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. When the CDC voted, Dr. Rochelle Walensky declared that the booster dose is safe for kids ages 5 to 11. Yes, the complication rate is very low. 
and we think it's sick. But how can anyone know from only a short-term follow-up of 140 children? Good question, but don't ask it. The more appropriate assessment is that we believe it's safe, but we can't be sure yet from the data we have so far, aka we don't have data. Unfortunately, the strength of the CD recommendation to boost all children five above will trigger some schools and summer camps to blindly mandate a third dose for healthy children who don't need it. Instead of pushing boosters on healthy children who are already immune, public health officials should focus on recommending the primary COVID vaccine series to high-risk children who don't have any immunity. Isn't that a fair point? Why is that controversial? I feel like a lot of people feel that way, if not all. Most. I wouldn't say anything's all. Nothing's 100%. Except the COVID vaccine. Public health officials are expected to recommend COVID vaccines for children under 5 as soon as June 21st, despite the fact that the vast majority of children already have natural immunity. In a recent Kaiser survey, only 18% of parents said they were eager to vaccinate their child in that age group. If the CDC is curious as to why people are listening to its recommendations, it should consider how it bypassed experts to put the matter before a kangaroo court of like-minded loyalists. The Biden administration should insist that we return to the standard process of putting all major vaccine decisions before a vote of the FDA's leading vaccine efforts. Did you even know that wasn't happening? I didn't know. Again, this is a Newsweek opinion piece called Why America Doesn't Trust CDC. And the truth is that the Biden administration promised to listen to the scientists, but the truth is that it only seems to listen to the ones who say what it wants to hear. That's Marty Makari, MD, uh, Professor Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, author of New York Times bestselling book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How We Fix It. Natural immunity. Natural immunity. Can we go a little deeper? I was going to get into this, this piece from the, the Wall Street Journal, but they have a video uh, on the page that I, that I want to share. And, and if you're listening, you know, you can, of course, hear it. And I think it does a better job than me than me going through it. But just take a take a listen. After three years of living with COVID-19, the only thing the public's been fully immunized against is what they're being told by the voices of public authority. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in serious condition and uh, many on ventilators. Well, that's not true. We have not had 100,000 children in serious uh, condition in That's U.S. hospitals. According to the CDC, the COVID pandemic is changing many behavioral patterns, but one of the biggest for which we should thank the virus is the death of official certitude. When should I get tested? Why can't I find a test? Do I need to isolate 10 days, five days, or even at all? The way this administration rolled out boosters was a disaster. You created skepticism and mass confusion. By now, the public has been left numb with few believing what politicians or the CDC say about COVID and Omicron. The answers they give no longer add up. Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Those data will be forthcoming. My purpose isn't to discredit public authority or science. We need both. 
It was public authorities who cleared the regulatory path for Operation Warp Speed, which let private sector scientists develop protective vaccines. No political interference, no bureaucracy, no red tape. It's been just an incredible, visionary approach. My intention is to resurrect the idea of intellectual modesty, a necessary virtue that looks altogether lost to public life and its scientific representatives. What happened during this pandemic is that many, many politicians outsourced their responsibility to the public to public health people. Including Donald Trump? Including Donald Trump. And uh, the consequence of that is that the, the, the normal checks that would allow you to say, well, the, the, the politician made a good choice or not, have been off, offloaded to a set of people who have no checks at all. The weaponization of science accelerated with the arrival of COVID, but it began with the battle over climate policy. Okay. So let me get to the punchline. Here's the punchline. Elmo says that it's the best way to do the things you love. It's for all. Everyone's saying it's great for everybody. I've never known anything ever to be great for everybody. Seems like a utopian society sounds great. Just don't know if it exists. And I don't want to get on, get into this too deeply, but the punch that's the punchline. They say it's for everyone, yet I'm the first of every month, and I need to be careful with this because the last time I went through Pfizer documents when they released them because they release them on the first of every month for like the next many, many months. They do a, a dump of all this data. They um, they say it's safe and effective for everybody. Every kid should get it. And I'm going through some of these documents that are publicly available to everybody because they have to from the Freedom of Information Act uh, to release them, even though they wanted to punt it 75 years. And why, you ask? I don't know, because the news was so good, they didn't want you to see it and pass out out of excitement. I'm sure that's probably the reason, but I don't know. And so I was going through some of these docs, and I can't get into this too much, but it should be, this thing is for everybody. It's safe and effective for all. It's the best way for every single person. Okay, if that's true, then when I pull up this document that I'm going to pull on the screen for, for a second here, if I pull up this document, then are you sure you should be saying that? This document has basically uh, 3,611 patients, uh, 3,611 pages of adverse events or just, you know, outcomes of, uh, you know, people who were in the trial, uh, Pfizer particularly. And... You can see here, or if you're listening, at the top there, it says the reasons for the narrative. And all of these pages are either an extremely fatal adverse events or like the one I'm looking at, death. Almost all of them say death. And they even give a reason. They give an explanation for a lot of these of what exactly happened. They document it. And so would we say that for these people that died, that this was the best way to do the things they love? Is that, is, that, is that true? Or can we question that or should we not question that? Is it, is it politically incorrect to you know, help people? Like here's, here's an example. 
a 56-year-old white female with pertinent medical history of obesity, sleep apnea syndrome, and some other things, received dose one on the 30th of July and dose two on August 20th. The subject died because of cardiac arrest on October 21st. And what's so interesting about all these deaths is that at the bottom of all of them, it says these few sentences every time. So in the opinion of the investigator, there was no reasonable possibility that the cardiac arrest was related to the study intervention or clinical trial procedures as the death occurred, like the always good reason, as the death occurred two months after receiving dose two. Pfizer concurred with the investigator's uh, casualty assessment. It was unknown if an autopsy was performed. In all of these, it has those, I mean, there's even one after this, which I hope I can get to, which is about, uh, which is about um, them dying the same day. But in every scenario, it was never because of the study. So here's another, or let me, let me get, see if I can get another one. And I believe it's page 16. There's 3,611 of these pages. And it's not loading too quickly. But the point is, is that they're saying it's great for everyone, all this stuff. And if it's true, it, okay, great. But what do we say about, you know, they said, oh, it might have been due because they were obese or, you know, because they, uh, you know, had these other ailments. Okay, that's fine. But then shouldn't we say that? Shouldn't we tell people, okay, if you're obese or have these other ailments that it's not best for you or no? I mean, isn't that what that means? I get it if it's like a rare exception. Here's another one. A 60-year-old white male with a pertinent medical issue of obesity, traumatic brain injury, depression, and hip replacement, blah, 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 received dose one, and then the subject died three days later after receiving dose one. So they withdrew from the experiment because of death. In the opinion of the investigator, there was no reasonable possibility that the death was related to the study intervention, concurrent medications, or clinical trial procedures, but rather it was related to suspected underlying disease. Pfizer concurred with the investigator's causality, casualty assessment. And again, autopsy results were not available at the time of this report. Here's the point. The point is, is that we don't have the data, first of all, to know what happens in the long run. So we should always leave it open-ended. And then if it's good for everybody in that population size, you have people who have diabetes, people who are obese, people who have heart issues. And if the reason is that underlying issue that they have and it exacerbates it or somehow plays a role, because you got 3,000 pages of like people dying and, and just getting you know injured, um, well, shouldn't we say, hey – it should be for everyone or go get it. But hey, just so you know, there are side effects that could occur. Isn't that fair? This isn't saying we're for or against it. Just, hey, just so you know, we did trials. And, you know, if you're obese, you have a, you know, 30% higher chance of, of having an adverse reaction. Okay, fine. As opposed to a blanket statement that all good, everyone great, love, happy. Like the words associated is like, Everything but questioning, discussion, debate. I just think it's healthy to look at facts, get all the facts together, analyze, evaluate, make your own decision. Let people do that. And everybody can do that if you have internet.
which is great, which is why all this will come out. And again, this isn't being against the vaccine. It's not being for the vaccine. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with Elmo saying it's the best way for people to do what they love. And then I go to the Pfizer documents literally released yesterday on July 1st. And I didn't even know what I was opening because I was just clicking them. And all of a sudden I'm going through, I'm like, this is a big file, 3,611 pages. And I'm looking through it and it's all patience. And it's like reason for narrative death, reason for narrative death. You know, like in the study, you know, died of cardiac arrest three days later, died the same day with you from experience. There were so many. And I was like, whoa, well, if it wasn't good for them, then doesn't that, doesn't that mean it's not good for everyone perhaps? So I just, A, don't like product placement, no matter what it is. I take Advil sometimes. I don't want Advil to be in Elmo. Okay? Not good. Not good. Not something for a little kid, however old you are, to go into that. But clearly it's a propaganda play. And people don't even trust the CDC. And you saw for what reasons. And no, and then Elmo's dad or whoever was saying, you know, I have many questions talking to the parent. Well, of course you have questions. Come on. Every question you asked gave a wrong answer and was corrected a year later. We should be questioning. There's no track record of success. It's almost a track record of all failure. So I just think we shouldn't be injecting everything, like puppets and chairs and stuff. Maybe, maybe they should. Maybe, the, maybe this table needs to get vaccinated. I don't know. I don't know. This is all allegedly, 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 allegedly. The whole thing, I, everything I ever said was allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And if you were watching this, you know, you saw what I was reading or, you know, uh, all the links are in the description below. But that's what I think. What do you think about this? Do you think that Elmo should be playing in this game of for-profit products from any companies that are looking to turn a profit and particularly in the healthcare and medical industry? Am I out of my mind or is there some validity here? I don't know. I'm curious what you think and I just think it's crazy. So let me know what you think in the comments. I'd definitely love to hear it.